Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. advice from old pro turkey hunters like this the turkeys typically don't like i think more times than not to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning especially after he gets up it's a blinding thing it, it it's just like you it's hard for you to see into the sun mm-hmm. so if i have a choice i'm going to try to make it so that i'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 448, season recap and turkey talk with Preston Pittman, and fishing talk, and some other talk. And I Pot am talk. Your, yes, right. <laughs> talk. And I am your co-host and the guy who can tell that the days are getting a little shorter than they were oh around June twenty first, second, third, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I'm your co-host and the guy who is already getting that itch. Are you itching for fall? Yeah. That's what's got me right now. I've I've noticed that, you know, I was out in my turkey shrine organizing my magazines the other day and putting up, dusting off the fans and playing around with calls. And I was like, you know what? I think you're starting to get ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and I noticed I was reading a book and like just everything starting to point that way. I've been on Onyx a little bit. Anyway, getting excited for fall turkey. Try to get my fall gobbler again this year. You know, it's no spring, but holds me over as a as someone who doesn't chase the woods carp 
or the bugling cows. I do yeah. enjoy chasing fall gobblers around. There you go. Till, Good deal. till duck season gets here. Good deal. Yeah. Have Have you been back in the woods after any coons lately? I have not. My brothers, they bought a property a few years, two years ago, and they're trying to plant it for ducks. So they tried to plant corn down there, and the freaking coons like ate it all, pretty wow. much. Yeah. And so they went, they grabbed all my traps and wore those jokers out. So it's kind of a good thing, in my mind, from a turkey hunter standpoint, they baited them all into an area and then caught them all. So Absolutely. <laughs> it worked out pretty good. But That's a great plan. But yeah, so they've, been, they've been using the traps and coon calling. I don't know. It might would still work. I think it's getting a little late now, you know, here, because you want to hit those. I think you can do it kind of year round for the boars if you do like a coon fight, but I think it works best. And I'm a novice, so do not take my word for this, listeners. But (laughs) from what I've gathered, what I'm doing is killing a lot of the sows using young coon distress calls. And the young coons, I think, are pretty big now. So I don't think that works as well. And then I think you get the boars when mating season's going on. You put on a big coon fight and get them to come in mad charging. So Mm -hmm. I haven't been. I honestly, I haven't hardly been in the woods at all. I need to get in the freaking woods. That's that's one thing I need to do. I did go fishing the other day, caught a twenty-something bass, and made a bunch of fresh largemouth bass ceviche, which was delicious. Cool. And then froze a bunch of the rest of them. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, so that was good. But it is days are definitely getting shorter. Yes, indeed. Starting to go that route, you know, and. Hopefully duck season will hurry up and get here, and then right after that, turkey season starts launching open. But for those in Arkansas, or actually not those in Arkansas, those who want to go to the state of Arkansas, yeah, hope you got a deep pocket, Bucks. <laughs> yes, indeed. Hope you've been Man. saving up some pennies. Yeah, I sent you that yesterday. So what was it, $510, I think? Five for- ten. For one turkey, and then if you want to kill your second one, you're looking at 610. Yeah. So that's pretty hefty. They're they're now the most expensive state to turkey hunt. They've blown Iowa out of the water. Yeah. Well, you know that's a state that I've got to go back to, but not necessarily for me. But, yeah. You got you a know, couple buddies that need it. There's some some other fellows in the group that need the state, and me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wasn't going to mention names, but yeah. since you brought it up. Now with the price increase, I'm like, man, I wish I'd spent three or four days there last year. Yeah, I will Golly. be reviewing the regs because if you have to buy a hunting license to assist in a hunt, I will not be going. Yeah, for that price, I, I wouldn't either. Yeah, yeah. Or, I, you know, I could always go and just go look for some rocks. Yeah. Near where people might be hunting? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> no With a 12 gauge? <laughs> I mean, if that's what a license costs, can you imagine what the penalty is for not hunting with a license, or for hunting without a license, I should say? Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. So That is a good point. But before we get into this interview, I want to give a shout out to a listener. Cool. So Paul Lucas, a Tar Heel man. He has a company called Custom Bones, B-O-N-Z, 
that he makes wingbone calls. Nice. And he shipped me two of the prettiest wingbone calls I've ever seen as a donation for our West Tennessee Turkeys for Tomorrow chapter to use in an upcoming banquet to raise money for turkeys here. And this is a, this is a Tar Heel man. Yeah. So he, he sent it across state lines to help us raise funds. So I want to say thank you, Paul. And these calls are I'll send you a picture of them. They are spectacular. I'm a little ticked at you that you've not sent me pictures already. Yeah, yeah, I need to. I need to. They're they're beautiful. I'm going to send them to you. But anybody out there who wants a custom wing bone, I assume you can send him your own bones or he will make them for you with some that he has. But Paul Lucas with Custom Bones, B-O-N-Z, check him out. And thank you, Paul, for the donation. I hope it will raise some money for wild turkeys here in Tennessee. And maybe, who knows, maybe you'll come over here and hunt a turkey one day and it'll benefit you somehow. Yeah, it's a very or generous wolf. donation. That was very kind of him. Absolutely. So thank you for your time and effort there. And I will send you a picture of these. These are absolutely beautiful calls. Yeah, man. Send it on. Send it on. Well, we have the one and only Preston Pittman with us on the show today. Oh, yeah. And He's an annual guest. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. He's probably been on this show seven, eight, nine, ten times, probably ten yeah. times over the almost ten years I've been doing the show. Yep. So it's and a good one. entertaining. <laughs> he is that, man. He is a trip. He yeah. is a trip. Yeah. He's a great all-around guy. And, you know, he's he's a very creative individual. And no is doubt. always thinking of new ways to do things, better ways to do things. And that brain in his head is always churning. So he's always fun to talk to. But we've got him on the show with us today. What do you think? You want to jump in and Yeah, let's jump in there and we the do interview? talk about we do talk about turkeys about halfway through the interview, so stay stay tuned for that part. Don't give up on the turkey talk. It's in there, but the rest of it's pretty entertaining as well. So. Yeah, we're, we're entertainment mode to start, but we do mention a turkey at some point. So hang yeah. in there. We'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. Cameron and I are glad to tell you we have on the phone with us the one and only Preston Pittman. And I would give some long, drawn-out intro about Preston Pittman, but Preston is basically a co-co-host of this show because – we love having him on the show. He's been on so many times that, you know, I, I really kind of feel bad introducing you, Preston, because you're just, uh, I mean, I could just, camera could push me out of the way and you could jump on. We'd plug you right in and nobody would ever even think anything about it. <laughs> I, I just want to know when the first check. Well, I think <laughs> once we get a check, you, you are due part of it. <laughs> How are you, sir? Big, fat, bald, old, ugly, don't give a darn, and happy to be alive and loving life. Man, that sounds just like the last time I talked to you when I asked you that question. That's good. <laughs> About 10 more pounds heavier. Come on now. Oh, yeah. Mm. Now, i tell you what. It, it's 69 years old. I got a little eye problem. Going to try to get that taken care of. For some of the people that might have seen the few posts that I did do on Facebook during eye surgery this year, it ain't right yet. But uh, hopefully I'm going to find some good news out Friday morning. But we'll see. I hope so, too. I'll keep you in my prayers. Yeah. For sure. I will, but, too. I mean, that's uh, 
Eyesight's kind of a big deal for us with our hobbies. Especially when you never have done anything left-handed and you try to shoot a turkey on your left shoulder with the left eye, I would highly recommend uh, people practice. There's a good tip right there. Uh, Something I should have done eons and eons ago, because you never know the position that you're going to get put in by that big old strutter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I always am a you know right-handed person and it has forced me to uh learn or try <laughs> try to learn how to shoot off my left shoulder thank goodness for a scope that's the only thing that saved me yeah so it sounds like there was a flopping turkey at the end of that story but i uh, we didn't we, we didn't hear about it uh i do some hunting over the place called beaver dam lodge i actually do one or two pay hunts per year over there and uh, my first pay hunter that came in, we're just going to say, had a medical uh, emergency. And Brian Pearson looked at me and he said, buddy, I've known you 40 years. And I said, yep. He said, we have never got to sit by together. And he said, you don't shoot many birds yourself. I said, no, I really don't. You know, that's not what I do. He said, uh, you're going hunting tomorrow afternoon. I said, no, Brian. I said, it's a pay hunt operation. He said, and I own it, and you're going hunting. And I had an absolutely awesome hunt. Even had a buzzard flying in, land in the tree above us, me thinking it's a hen, with three longbeards gobbling their heads off. Only birds I really heard gobble good in the state of Mississippi. And he uh, lands on the ground, and I'm going, well, this hen's fixing to bust us. Remember, I got a patch on my eye. I got that video, Preston. I don't know if yeah. you know that or not, but I got that video sent to okay. me. And uh, uh, <laughs> I, let me, I can't really quote word for word exactly what Brian said, uh-uh. but the essence <laughs> of it was, was that if he gets any closer, I'm going to shoot this buzzard, and he pokes him with his gun to get it. I don't know what was going on. He said I need power, but I, I didn't <laughs> Then the sucker walks around the tree, and it's now about three foot from me, and I didn't wait. The heck with the turkey. I didn't want no buzzer trying to poke my one good eye out. And I poke it, it flies up on a fallen tree 15 yards in front of us, and all three of the birds gobbled their rear ends off. And I, at the same time he flew up, just instinct, I just did a little short, like a fly up. You know, a little cut, cackle type thing. Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, I had three long bears in front of me at about 15, 16 steps. So the buzzard, it, oh, there's a good lesson for people. Using, utilize things that happen to you on a hunt year advantage. I was yes. just instant coming out that whenever the buzzard flew up. And people think I'm crazy or I'm lying. You, like you said, you've seen the video. We didn't get it all, but we got enough that we got proof of what happened. So you never know what's going to happen in the woods. So folks that are listening, think about what's going on and think about how you can blend in and think about how you can match things or fit things in that are, how how should we say, not the norm. And you might be amazed at what's going to happen. I, I will 1,000% attest to what he said because I saw a short clip of the video that Brian Pearson was running, and I have known Brian Pearson for a long time, so Preston was kind of surprised to know that I know him, but I got that video and saw that buzzard hopping (laughs) past you, 
after he had circled the tree. Right. And that, I mean, it was just, it was great. And you could hear the turkeys gobbling in the, off in the <laughs> distance. Yeah, you can hear the birds gobbling. Yeah, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. So I, I guess that's, that's awesome. Gonna have to, first place is my weirdest hunt I've ever had. Because that was a weird hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, that was, that was interesting. So how did your season turn out overall? You want me to be perfectly 100% honest? Yes. Worst season I have had since I was about 15 years old. Mm. And I tell you all kind of excuses, but here's what I'm going to do is tell you facts. Had eye surgery, had a stage four macular hole, not macular degeneration, in my eye. Had surgery right before season. All I could see was a bubble. Uh, when Rolling Fork got hit by the tornado, I was in transit and almost got pushed off the road by the tornado. I was two miles out from Rolling Fork. God bless those people, too. And I mean that from my heart. Uh, tongue on my trailer broke, got with the ATV, would have broke uh, uh, a tongue on the trailer. Um, my optometrist, uh, I finally got to go hunt one day with him. He gets hit by a timber rattler in the leg, but he did have on uh, snake boots. And that's the kind of season that I had. I wouldn't even go into everything else. Uh, mm. Heard uh, probably fewer gobbles in the state of Mississippi that I have heard in many a year. Uh, wonderful time to see. It just it just didn't happen for me. And everybody has experienced that from time to time, unless they own a zoo. That's what I call a <laughs> show enough for. Uh, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time all year long and all the way the whole year. Head birds in gun range, no depth perception, scared to squeeze a trigger because I didn't want to cripple a bird. You name it, it happens. You know what? I got to be in the woods. I got to enjoy God's greatest creation, and uh, I come through at home. And there's always next year. Amen. Yep. Yep. So yes. that's a quick. That's a quick summary of the year, and the lesson in that is, guys and gals, don't give up. Keep on going. And say, go early and stay late. And if it don't work this year, there's always next year. You're still getting a lesson every time you go out there. Yeah. Yeah. Do not take it for granted either. Absolutely not. You know, you probably never in your life thought, I'm going to have vision problems out of my out of my dominant eye. Nope, I did not. Told me I had serious problems. I've already been through cataracts and that. I'm, I'm 69. That's normal for my age. Found out that those green blobs were actually leaves. Uh, <laughs> it was awesome. And then that right eye kept on, kept on, kept on. And I went on a duck hunt with a buddy in my club here at Aceland Sportsman's Club. And I shot a box and a half of shell. And it's like I couldn't see where I was I was just strictly pointing. That's what you're supposed to do with the shotgun. But that told me, because I'm not the best shot in the world, but if I shoot a box and a half of shells and I ain't killed a duck, something ain't right. Yeah. And I went, oh, something. You get used to it. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening to exactly what I'm talking about. It's like you get accustomed to it, getting a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a little bit worse. And you still got one eye that's working pretty good and the other eye's not. 
and until something like that happened and that duck hunt happened and I went, uh, you got a problem, buddy, my, to my own self, you know, you should, you need, you better go see somebody and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we found the problem. It's still not fixed yet, but like I said, I've got high hopes that come Friday, um, they going to tell me something positive, something else they can do or, uh, scrape these lens or, uh, put glasses on me. I don't care. We'll find out Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, I hope so, that goes well Friday. Thank you very much. Yeah. And if not, I'll just start missing a lot of turkey. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be like me then. I'll <laughs> Because I'm still going to go. There you go. There you go. Hey, what? And and you may say I default that to someone else, but what is going on with TFT? Anything new and exciting that you want to share with us? Well, let me put it to you like this. First, I always like to say this so that people don't get the wrong impression about me. I am a big supporter of a lot of different nonprofit organizations. Oh, yeah. I will never, ever, ever turn my back on National Wild Turkey Federation. I think it's a fine organization, yeah. just like the two. I'll be, everybody's got their problems. Come on, guys. Absolutely. You know, every organization is going to have this problem. But uh, I really love what's going on with FT. Uh, As far as actual programs, I don't don't know. I know that they were trying to work. I won't get into details with the state of Oklahoma. I don't know whether that uh, come through yet or not to where they were going to do some actual studies on predation with mock hens because somebody had uh, invented a scent and used chicken eggs to prove what I, I personally believe, which is that predation is a lot more predominant than what people believe that it is. And it is something that we as outdoorsmen, as conservation, as sportsmen, on our own land, I'm not talking about public land, that we can do something about, which is trapping, to prove just how much they are hitting these nests and how much they are destroying, which Dr. George Hurst technically proved many years ago. Uh, I know that there's a program, I don't think it's quite started yet, in the state of Mississippi uh, that is going to be going on where they are studying, studying the DNA from molten feathers and from poop, basically, and they can even track without traffic the beauty of this. Or they can track the movement of different birds. They can identify a hen's hope to see how productive they are. They can check for apotoxic corn, in other words. They can check for other diseases, and I am super, super excited about that for such a very very young organization. My God, the stuff that they've gotten into and the programs that they've started, I think in either six or seven states and they're, what, two years old? It's pretty miraculous what they're accomplishing. They're putting their money where their mouth is at. And yeah. Dolly yeah. might still kill me for saying that, but that's the way this rednecks, you know, very few paid employees. I know that they started doing the banquet. I don't think much of them this year. You know, maybe 10 or so. They're going through a lot of growing pain, and they need a lot of, 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 of help from people uh, that are listening right now. Check it out. I believe it's turkeysfortomorrow.org and see the yep. mission statement. 
and things that are going on. And then you make your own decision. Don't leave the other organization. They're doing some wonderful things. It's just that TFT is concentrating more on research and doing it the way that everybody has to do it, going through the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks, Game Commissions, whatever you want to call it, and doing it the way that it has to be done to really get results. And these programs, they're going to three to seven years, averaging about five years to build the data up. So I always go back to my 13-year-old granddaughter, and I hope I can say this without cracking up. She grabbed my hand. She killed her first bird with Brian. First thing mm. was, uh, people, we move up here to the turkey season. And I, <laughs> I said, we, we can't do that. I'd love to, but we can't do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we took about three or four more steps. And the little girl reached over, grabbed my hand, and squeezed it, and said, people. She said, you don't think I listen, but I hear you talking. And she said, I just hope that there's turkey when I have children and grandchildren to be able to hunt. And bubbles, I don't rip your heart out and touch your heart, then you ain't a man. Yeah. Yep. How how old is she? She is now fixing to turn six in February. Got her learner's permit and she's gonna have her driver's license, so y'all be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. I, I turned her loose in my truck when she was nine years old. And I said, Caitlin, you're going to learn how to drive. You know, and I told her a story about my dad whenever he fell from the camp. And I was 10 years old, broke his foot. And that's back then. There was a thing called standard transmissions. Mm-hmm. And you had to use a clutch. And I had to drive him out of the woods to a hospital because he couldn't depress the clutch. Now, I know that the police officers out there are probably fussing or if not cussing me out right now. And I did say in a pasture, but I think anyone who is an outdoorsman, a sportsman that is carrying somebody who's 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, they ought to have the basics. And you can do it in a field. You can do it pasture. You don't have to do it on a public road. All kinds of basic emergency that that child can get that parent or someone out of the woods in a medical emergency. That's just a redneck's version because that's the way. I was brought up. I think that's a great idea. Well, I'll tell you, I'm not the only one, and I bet you a large number of people that listen to this show are kind of in the same boat, but I learned how to drive a stick shift. I should say using a stick shift in reverse. I was driving in reverse before I was ever going forward in a stick shift, (laughs) and it just so happened to be on a backhoe. There you go. So, well, you know, in emergency, you get somebody out of the woods. That's darn right. I go up there, scoop them up in the bucket, and, and haul them off in that backhoe. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter how big they were. That thing would pick them up and tote them. <laughs> well, can I be real brave right now? Yeah. Yes, sir. And, and give another tip to the dads that are listening to this. And I'm going to say this delicately, but it's fact. It's a thing of nature, and you can cut it out if you want to. I don't care. I know I want you to. Dads, if you have girls, and it's basically uh, 80% females in my family, when they start becoming a young lady, things in nature happen to them. So there are things, read in between the lines, 
but you need to keep in the glove box of your vehicle that you are hunting with. So when it's that time of the month prepared. That's a very good tip. Good to know. That is a very good tip. In my truck. Yeah. I can promise you. See, I thought you were going to say, be sure you teach your daughters how to shoot. (laughs) Which is another very good tip, but still different. Oh, yeah. A girl's going to learn how to shoot so much easier than a boy is. It's pathetic. You instruct a female on what to do and how to do it, blow a turkey call, uh, drive a vehicle with a gun. Uh, they they don't have a little thing called ego like a little boy fart does. I can tell you real quick. I can <laughs> always see a female quicker than I can a male. That's just the way it is. Because uh, sometimes the boys just won't listen to you. And you want another tip on that? Mom and dad, y'all don't do it. Let your best friend or your uncle or your aunt yeah. or whatever it may be. Yeah. Because normally speaking, the parents, they're the parents. They, they might not listen to them quite as good yeah. as a child, a friend, an aunt, an uncle, or maybe. Yeah. And uh, look, let me tell you what. I am a firm believer. I wish that every state in the United States that before a child, before an adult, before an, before anyone stepped in the wood, regardless of their age, should, regardless of whether they have to buy a hunting license yet or not, should mandatorily have to go through their safety education course. Go to Colorado. I don't care how young or how old you have to have that card and that is an awesome wonderful lot yep yeah is it is the hunter safety course still in person most places or do they just do it online now i, I believe it's online okay. uh, most i think it does go on sometimes in person but regardless they still have to study they still have to read you know i'm old remember my age i i, I like the instructor type thing i mean all the heck and the fun part was Back the first time I ever took, we got to go to the range and shoot a 22 and all that kind of stuff. So it was fun. You just, you didn't know yeah. you were learning stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it made it enjoyable, but because of good old technology, you know, now I think the bulk of the people, uh, you know, take it online. And that's okay. At least it's something. At least you can't say, duh, I didn't know. Well, then you should have read your lesson. Yeah. I actually... I think when my daughter gets old enough to take it, I might see if there is an in-person class. I, I kind of think that's a good thing if you have one available. I mean, it's not convenient, but I enjoyed going to it, honestly, when I went through it. Uh, what state are you in? You're in Mississippi? Tennessee. 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 What? Contact, uh, um, contact you. Department of Wildlife Fishing and Parks. Yeah. Oh, I will. She's just uh, she's a bit young right now. We're we're trying to learn how to speak first, so we got a ways to go. Oh, Oh, yeah, she's not, she turns two soon. Uh, Cameron, let me tell you a little story on me. Uh, this is the story they tell on me, that when mama and daddy, mother and father, mama and daddy, when they had me on the banks of uh, Black Creek down close to Van Cleve, Mississippi, uh, and it was in an apple crate, uh, daddy flipped the water snake out of my apple crate. So get that young <laughs> in the woods as quick as you can and as much uh, as you can. That is the plan. She is a lifetime sportsman in Tennessee, so she will be licensed to hunt forevermore. Is that brainwashing? Yeah, and I like it. <laughs> I no doubt. Thing. I enjoy yeah. y'all guys. Don't make it fun. I'm on tea. Well, thank you. We think you make it fun. Yeah. 
I find I, Andy quite boring, to be honest, but I'm see, glad you think so. I was just about to say the same thing about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm around me all the time. I get pretty boring. Hey, Cameron, do you fish? I do a little bit. I've uh, I've been you, a couple times. Do you saltwater fish? That I haven't done much. I, I have enjoyed it the few times I've gone, especially one time we did it big and went and caught some... Uh, sailfish down in costa rica and that was a good time but you can't eat a sailfish remember I'm yeah the they, i'm the president of hardly, my club you know what my club, club? is called the catch and fry club i do release them but only in lake crisco and catch them the second time is they float to the top and they end up on my plate yes sir i am i am with you on a largemouth bass uh i catch a lot of those jokers and we will do a hook and cook go catch them at a lake and prime up that night i'm sure all the true fishermen or whatever doing tournaments don't like us but they sure do taste good it's, it's a balance of nature keep the yearlings you know, keep, <laughs> keep, keep throw the big ones back oh yeah uh, we aren't gonna keep any any big ones right well uh, i caught my first triple tail about three days ago and you'll have to look him up they call it the black fish you talking about a fight that is a fun fish and i'm gonna eat him tomorrow night very good yeah you said you had some shrimp too so you did, did you get those fresh too, or did you just buy those at the oh, store? Yeah. I, I I've got a buddy that's got a distributorship on the coast. Nice. Flounder, I got redfish, I got speckled trout, I got white trout, I got triple tail crabs and shrimp. And uh, as soon as I get through, oh, I love so, and that's my second love is fishing. Uh, as soon as I get through with this podcast, I'll be back on the vacuum. Well, good deal. Good deal. I, I have to share a turkey podcast so i'll get off fishing okay <laughs> well you can but i have to share a story before before i do before i get off the topic of fishing okay so and yes we'll get to talking turkey here very soon but this has been several years ago maybe 12 years 14 years ago i've got a buddy who lives in south mississippi and he's a firefighter and he's got a couple of boats one of them's a real nice big fishing rig and the others you know a little bit smaller boat and me and my buddy chip went out with with this guy we went fishing and we're off shore we're not terribly off the shore but we were looking to catch cobia and for those of you who don't know anything about cobia is a cobia loves to to get underneath any kind of floating structure in the water and also they will oftentimes, and it makes perfectly good sense when I say this, get underneath shrimp boats because there's your floating structure and I'll be doggone. Shrimp boat's going to lose some shrimp every now and again when they pull up nets. So yep. we come wheeling up behind this. I say wheeling up because we're in a boat. We're not wheeling. We come up behind this shrimp boat and we're there, motors idling. And we're getting all of our stuff together to, to you know, get a line out in the water, see if we can catch a cobia. And this dude comes out of the the captain's or the quarters on the shrimp boat, and he is in his underwear. And his hair is all, I mean, like, it's all messed up. This dude hadn't showered in days. Comes out, nothing else on. Underwear, hair's all messed up. He's still a quarter asleep. He comes out and he says, y'all catching any fish? Yeah, 
because we caught a few up to that point. He says, Cobes? We said, yeah. He says, you got any pot? (laughs) 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 The third question out of his mouth. Never seen us. Talk to us. Never. I mean, nothing. Third question out of his mouth. You got any pot? (laughs) We said, no, but we have some beer. He said, man, I sure would like to have some beer. My buddy said, you want to swap some beer for some shrimp? There you go. We swapped him about eight Miller Lights for 25 pounds of of fresh shrimp. Oh, my gosh. That's how we got our chum in the old days. <laughs> Jack and some slits on the boat. The stuff we can find yep. to swap for chum. And okay. or either. Oh, yeah, I love it, though. I do. I love it. That's great. Yeah. That's, That's That was just a, th- that just tore, tore me up and still tears me up to this day. Got the pot. That's a trusting soul. So. Do y'all want to talk turkey? Yeah, I guess I we should mention them. Uh, it's 97 degrees outside, and I, I kind of have a hankering to talk about turkeys. Then start talking. All right. Start asking. I'm, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you some questions. Just, just of course, your opinion about things, Preston. So, a couple of things that have come up recently in talking to other people about turkey hunting and very experienced turkey hunters, very experienced turkey hunters, and Two of the things that have come up have been, number one, that turkey hunters today are better than they've ever been, as a general rule. And number two, that turkey callers today, us turkey hunters as callers, are better than they've ever been. So you already said you agree on number one. You want to delve into those topics and expand a little bit? Okay, not only are they better, uh, even though I am not the uh, uh, guy, there is so much information that is out there on the world wide web that things that that I have my own have that are readily available at a punch of a button in seconds that took me and Ben and Rob Keck, and, and on and on and on and on and on. Now, we had to learn the hard way. So that's good to a degree, but it's also bad to a degree. And the reason why it's bad is there are so many lessons that Mother Nature itself that you will never get off the And the Internet has a tendency to make it look too simple and too easy. My question to people is this. What state is a lot of this information from? And I know I'm going to tick people off and I really don't care. You really want to learn how to turkey hunt. Come to Mississippi. Go to Alabama. Go to Louisiana. That is the birthplace of turkey hunting as a whole. They have been hunting longer, harder, better hunters. Beginning, that's changing. And they heck of a lot better outlaw than they are anywhere in the country. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. So they are educated more. And for that person that's sitting there going, that man is crazy. Here's the analogy I always like to use. I'm not going to say that, not just turkeys, that, that animals can sit there and reason things out. But beyond a shadow of a doubt, in my mind, traits 
are handed down to the old farts like me that are out there that are in that 60 to 70 plus year old range. What I like to use is the old deer analogy. When we first started hunting tree stands, deer never, ever looked up. Now, what does a deer do? They walk through the woods, mama does, going, baby, look up yonder, something will stick you from up there. They have learned that we are predators and that predators can hunt from above and not the natural predators. But we as human beings are the greatest predator that there is on this earth. So you don't learn a lot of tricks, trades, things that only Mother Nature and only the bird himself and herself can teach you. Second part, caller. Here again, I contribute that to, well, all of us, whether it be Will Primos, whether it be me, or whether it be Ray I, or Louis Stowe, or Tom Stuckey, and good God, I mean, I can keep on naming names, who have publicized this, stretching on diaphragms, technology with CNC computerized on box calls and pot calls. Uh, we as an industry have come so far in the past 50 years that the product that we all make, including Pittman Game Calls, it's really turned into a fine musical instrument. And people have the technology to punch that button and go to YouTube or whatever and receive so much instruction from it with a far your product than what even I used to build 50, 55 years ago to this pathetic. And people work at it. And they've got that there for them, you know, to learn from. So you're definitely, and everybody else is definitely correct. Our, our hunters are better. Uh, our callers and the sounds that we make are easier and better and more versatile as far as what particular sound that you are looking for. I'm going to put one little small but, but the worst sounding hen that you will ever hear in your life is going to be a real live I will always, you give me somebody uh, that is an outdoorsman uh, that understands Mother Nature and can only cluck, and that person will consistently harvest more game, bigger game, than the guy who's running out there through the woods and yelping absolutely awesome and gorgeous all the time because that person has not understood Mother Nature yet. There's a time. Now, there's another but with that. The other but is, is for the individual who really, really, really works at this and works at their calling and can do the little do-wits, that can do the and can do the different pitching stuff. Uh, this is the saying, I'm, I'm going to sum it up like this. You do not want a good woodsman that is excellent at calling and understands when not to call or when to call very soft, or when to do one of his or her tricks. You don't want that person on your land because they're going to kill. Don't mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. Let me ask you, you mentioned traits being passed down and from turkeys. Do you think turkeys in the southeast gobble less now than they used to? Yes. Okay. Oh, Lord God, there's, there's some factors to that. Uh, being called too much, uh, more predation. Uh, I mean, look, 
turkey gobbles. Every hunter in the woods, every coyote has heard him. I do not like a bird to gobble a bunch. That's probably one of the most made mistakes by beginning hunters who have gotten very proficient with their calling is they're going to want to keep on calling to that turkey on the roost. Why yeah. in the heck do you want him to gobble up there to where his voice is carrying further so that uh, other people, predators, hens, girlfriends, call him what you want to, can hear him better, and he can sit up there and wait for uh, his girlfriend to come in before he ever flies down. I want him <laughs> on the ground is what that I is, want him back. Yeah, that is, that's very accurate and something I learned over and over again and finally it hit me like a two by four between the eyes of it's fun to make him gobble in the roost but that doesn't mean many that that doesn't put many turkeys in the pot (laughs) well you're lying to him you're telling him that you want to be his girlfriend but yet uh you're being standoffish and then out here now there's other states that that can be different yeah so what is your approach on those birds, do you give a tree call to say I'm here if there's other hens around, or you just getting in there waiting on him to fly down before you make a peep? General rule: less is more. Oh, I'm gonna tell him good morning, and I'm gonna whisper a little bit nothing in his ear, and then I'm gonna go coy on him. I ain't gonna say another word to him until he hits the ground. I am an aggressive hunter and a conservative caller in the woods. And I really can't go into a whole bunch of detail. It's just a gut feeling that after years of hunting that you start to learn some of the time, because you still make mistakes like everybody else does, of when to call. So the general rule that I tell is less is more. What that means is don't call any more than you have to. Quit watching so much of this YouTube crap. Now everybody's going to get mad at it. But you can call to that bird all the way. Oh, well, he's hung up. He's out there at 70 yards. Uh, he gobbled a bunch. And I'm going, yeah, you called your butt off to him too, did Make him come look for you. Throw your yeah. voice. From the right-hand side of your mouth to the left-hand side of your mouth. End up, if you're right-handed, calling to the left-hand side of you. I want him over to my left-hand side where I want him at. Do a lot of clucking and purring. If you got to learn something, Learn how to do the little soft stuff. Oh, he can't hear that. Bullfrog. Yeah, totally. I want you to see that he can hear and see six times as good as we can. I say it's more like about ten times. They can pick up. I think he can hear a gnat break wind at 100 yards. (laughs) They can pick up turkey sounds from distances that will absolutely blow your mind. And I, I had it happen. I won't name the state, but it's not a state anybody really wants to go to to hunt. And I had this turkey gobbling. He was he was at least 600 yards away, and he just started gobbling on his own. And I had never made a sound any louder than a purr. And when I say a purr, I was calling to a turkey that was about 70 yards from me. And I'm calling just enough and just loud enough. For that turkey, or at least I think loud enough for that turkey at 70 yards to hear and stay interested and hopefully come on my direction to see that hen that, that was sweet talking him. And this turkey from 600 yards starts my direction, walks up and stops nine feet behind me <laughs> and gobbles. And of course, when he gobbled it, you know, I came out of my skin. But that turkey heard me purring from that distance 
And it's a sound you or I would not hear from, we wouldn't hear it from 40 or 50 yards. Probably more like about 20 or 30. Yeah. And that convinced me at that point in time that I knew they picked up, especially turkey sounds. And I I know they don't just hear only turkey sounds, but kind of like, you know, for us, for us men, we're at the grocery store and there's 30 people around and somebody says, hey, it's that voice you recognize. Right. You turn around and look, it's your wife. And she's sitting there a little looking at you like, why are you in the beer section so long? Come on, let's go. <laughs> and the turkeys, you know, they they just are geared. The gobblers are geared to hear those hen sounds and vice versa. And I believe a hen can hear a turkey gobble from miles. I really do. And Well, think about it from a male standpoint. Uh, he has not a hen for a year. How would you be if it was you were a single man and a girlfriend or a girl was whispering to you, I would like to be your girlfriend? You're going to be straining and you're going to be listening and you're going to be paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to miss any uh, subtle cues at that point. That's it. Uh, yeah. I mean, less is more. It's yeah. a general set of rules. Listen, all the little tricks calling over your your shoulder, trying to throw your voice back behind you. In some situations, getting up and walking away from him, and on and on and on and all those are what I call that have been talked about forever. But how many people actually do it? Yeah, they want to hear that gobble. And I know there's quote purists out there that I've had people say. Well, you're not real turkey hunting. You haven't worked that bird in 20 or 30 yards, and he didn't display for you and spit and drum and do all that. They ain't all going to do it. Mm. He better not come within gun range of me and and, and, and never say a word because I'm going <laughs> to That's right. That's right. If y'all don't like it, I'm sorry. No, I ain't sorry. Nah. As long as you go hunt by the rules and regulations of the state that you live in and you obey the laws, you obey the limits, uh, kill them how you can. I agree. I ain't, sorry, I ain't sorry to say it. I agree. Preston, have you ever hunted fall turkeys? Way, way back, I did a little bit of fall hunting. I'm chasing hair. That time, I'm not chasing feathers. I don't. It's not my thing. How about that? It's just Got not it. my thing. Uh, I just was curious. I, it, it's okay. But like I said, I like to eat deer meat. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Uh, and during that time of year, too, uh, when I can get on a good duck hunt, because here again, it's like turkey hunting. It's interactive. Okay. Uh, if I'm looking up to draw the state, uh, that a few times I have gotten to go elk hunting. I like the calling aspect of it. And I don't know. It's just it's just not my thing, even though you can kiki them in. I've just not had a lot of real good success because I haven't learned uh, on long-bearded gobblers during the fall of the year. I just, I like action. I yep. guess that's the best. I like yep. action. A lot less action-packed. For- and if I was going to shoot in the fall of the year, it'd be a turkey. I can tell you, it wouldn't be a gobbler. <laughs> a little bit of payback for the springtime. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Yeah, that's funny. So you said you like action. Do you... Or have you called in predators and predator hunted? Oh, Lord, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, look, here's my saying. If it walks, crawls, flies, or swims, and I can find a place and afford to do it, I'm going to do it. Predator hunting is, is a lot of fun. It is. I can tell you, 
it's the other sport is what yeah. it basically is. And it's a great management tool uh, for turkeys and, you know, falls being dropped too. I mean, our predator population, in my opinion, is way out of balance. Now, look, to the listeners out there, if there's a coon hunter out there, uh, brother, sister, my hat's off to you. If that's what you enjoy doing, God bless you and keep you safe. It's just not my thing. So I always emphasize that privately and public, total different thing. On my private, I'm going to trap intensively, and I'm going to trap everything. Not that I'm against a coon hunter. I am not. Uh, in fact, about every some years, I'll still go down to South Mississippi uh, with one of my old buddies, Edwin Lamb, and I want to hear a good dog run uh, for white-tailed deer. And I know everybody's probably such at me on that. I love dogs. I always have. And I love the that comes out of their out of their mouth. So mm. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those that will sound like a politician is what I believe in my heart. As long as you are legally hunting whatever species of animal, however you do it, then go for it. Enjoy it and do it. Yeah. That's something I've never done is hunt deer with a dog, but sounds like it'd be a lot more action-packed than sitting in a stand, to be honest. It's, it's fellowship. It, it's yeah. Kind yeah. Of, you know what I mean. I mean, that's, that's what it basically is. And if you like to hear a good hound bark, that's what it's about. Hear that music. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Now, I don't do it all the time. Like I said, about one, six or seven or eight or nine years, uh, I'll give them a buzz, and I'll go down for a day or two. I don't even care if I see a deer. You know, I really don't. It, yeah. it's, it's just a fellowship. It's just a camaraderie. Yeah. Very good. What is your go-to diaphragm cut, just out of curiosity's sake? Just if you only could take one with you for a season, what would it be? I carry two calls. My number one selling call is called the Black Diamond, the inverted V, or the Diamond Cut. That Mm -hmm. is not my call. My favorite call is called Vengeance or Frequent. The Vengeance is a three-reeded batwing cut call. When I invented that cut, I called it the tongue cut. And by the way, I have documentation to prove all this. The ghost cut, which is they call a half-read call, actually myself and a gentleman by the name of Don Ship brought that call to the market. Those are my two go-to calls. I can do anything I want to do on those two calls. Anything from goblin. About the only thing I can't do is I can't drum on it. And I do that with my natural voice. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's same for me. I use a three read bat wing as my absolute go to. That's that's what's in my pouch at all times. That's what's in there in the freezer right now. <laughs> I think. I think I got so oh, did I say freeze? <laughs> do explain. Did y'all pick up on that? I yeah. did. You can, God, I hate to say this as a game call manufacturer, but <laughs> you can, really what I want everybody to do is take their diaphragms, throw them on the dashboard of the truck, and let the sunlight hit them. That's what I really want. <laughs> this uh, time of year, that's a good thing. Take about a half a day, it'd be rare. If you will rent your call off, and preferably, I'm getting real tickled now, use some bottled water with some off, and put them in a plastic Ziploc bag, or a grizzly can, or uh, manufacturer's pouch, or it may be, uh, in between seasons and freeze them. Uh, I've got diaphragms I've used for three to five years, the same diaphragm. Wow. But I'm preserving it. That comes from the old competition days, okay? 
is what that comes from. Uh, if you do your due diligence in between hunts and stick them in the refrigerator, uh, you know, especially when you know it's going to be a day or two or three or four and come the end of the season and stick them in the freezer, you can make your diaphragm last for years. But y'all don't do that. What you do is go on the dashboard of the truck, let the ultraviolet rays and the sunlight hit them, and rot that rubber so you got to go uh, buy another one. That's what I really want. I'll have- don't, wouldn't you prefer, though, that somebody keep their diaphragm calls as kind of a buffer in between their pot call and their box call up there in their windshield? So that the box call and, and pot call don't scratch each other, you just put a diaphragm well, in between them. Well, uh, uh, hang on, I, I know, I think I know what you're asking, but I'm going to also you this: <laughs> you do not want any manufacturer, I don't care what name brand it is, uh, to sit on the dashboard of your truck. Take a thermometer and look at the temperature that your truck gets, even in the springtime of the year with direct sunlight, and then uh, uh, the vinyl, whatever the heck is on your dashboard, uh, you can warp wood, you can warp a pot call, you can melt plastic, and you will rot rubber. Any yep. turkey call, any name brand manufacturer, in the direct sunlight or ultraviolet room temperature, or it's much better off in your vest. Think about how how many people throw their stuff up on the dashboard of their truck? Yeah. 90%? Yeah. And yeah. then they go, oh, they ain't worth the crap anymore. Well, guess what? You did it. Yeah. It's wood or it's plastic. Yeah. I don't, luckily, I don't have that problem because after I shoot a turkey, I just leave most of my calls by the trio, sit by and go home. And so exactly. then I, I just have to buy new ones. I don't have to worry about putting them in the dash. Did I, did I tell you I love these? We love people. <laughs> I was just about to say I've got a hunting buddy that he he doesn't store his on his dashboard. He stores them in the woods. Yeah, that's me. We like those kind of people. Yeah, well, I got <laughs> I got a slate call and I got calls in four states right now and. <laughs> And a Glenda Green seat is in a state, too. So I got five states covered with my stuff. That's what I do for a living. (laughs) 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 You know, that that, that is, those on on the serious side, that's what a lot of people don't realize, is they won't take the care that truly needs to be taken with the caller. Yeah. And from a manufacturer's standpoint, that's the people that we do like. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think about some of the old-time turkey hunters. Let's go back to the old M.L. Lynch turkey calls. Look how valuable those are. But I guarantee you the ones that are still hanging around that are in pristine uh, you know, condition is somebody who took care of that call. And they're 25, 50, 60, 70 years old, and they're still working. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you read these old old books i mean the the a man's turkey collar that was a prize like that there weren't a bunch of people manufacturing you know repeats if you if you made one that sounded good you took care of that thing because that was that was tough to replicate that's right that's right so take care of your calls and i'll last a lifetime and and be ready to hand down to your child and your grandchildren yeah don't leave them by a tree after you shoot the turkey like i did if you want 
if you want me to be able to continue to pay my truck note, y'all leave them by a tree or home on the dashboard. <laughs> you'll, you'll always be in business when there's me in the world. So. There you go. We like you. Yeah, that's and, for sure. Since I am talking in general, I, I am going to say this to the of course. I'm going to always plug my company, okay? I mean, it's what I do. 69, I still work in that shop every day, and the day I die, I will, okay? But and I'm going to use me as an example. Let's say you buy a call of mine. I don't care what it is, diaphragm, box, slate, glass, crystal, custom, nine cut, whatever, and it just doesn't quite work for you. Don't give up. We all have our secrets in what we do that I don't share. And that'll go to my grave. Try another manufacturer. And I know now I sound like a marketer for for the industry, but it's fact. And and the way I tell people is, is is look at it like this. You know, you can have a guitar. We'll just pick on the guitar. That it's pretty good. It's okay. But better name brand or a different name brand, it might even still be in the same uh, uh, cash category. You pick it up and you go, oh, wow. Now, this thing is, is playing for me. It, it's the same philosophy because that's what they argue, and everybody does a little something different. So don't give up on the first try or even the second try. And if you got a buddy, if you don't want to spend the money, if you've got a buddy or a pal or a friend that's got a different name brand manufacturer, ask them if you play with his, and you might be surprised at what happens. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Everybody makes them a little different, and everybody's mouth and hands and everything are different. So you never know which one's going to vibe with you. Oh, I love to walk into a sporting goods store, uh, especially the older ones, not the big mass merchants now, to uh, where they had a sample of two or three or four or five or six different companies laying out there. Just mm-hmm. remember, everybody in the world is screwed with those calls. Make sure it's conditioned first in order to use the proper uh, sandpaper or stone or scuff pad or whatever it may be because everybody's touching it. has got grease and oil on it. Like it's a pot call. Might even have all the chalk rubbed off, but that at least gives you something to start with and go, mm, okay, I like this Pittman call better, or I like this Primo's call better, or I like this HS truck call better. Uh, so if you're having trouble with your call a little bit, like I said, the best thing is just call some of your buddies and say, hey, buddy, what are you using? Well, I'm using brand X. Well, that's not what I got. Can I toy with it a little bit? Can I play with it a little bit? Now, I'm not telling you, this is going to be a little gross, I'm not telling you to swap spit with somebody, <laughs> but you, you can't even take a diaphragm and drop it in a mixture of uh, a mouthwash and water for about 30 seconds, and it'll kill all germs. Yeah. I'm not trying somebody else's mouth call. I, I do not recommend that, <laughs> but it has been done before. Yeah. You well, telling me, Andy, after I, you know, I'd take the grizzly wintergreen out of my lip and everything and then hand you my diaphragm, you wouldn't want to try it. I would probably just rather French kiss you if there's a bird flopping <laughs> on the ground. I ain't going to French kiss you. Is it long cut wintergreen? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, well, hell, it just, it, I, I would have thought that I would have spit it out because that's what I did, too. And I don't <laughs> want them youngins out there to ever start dipping or smoking either. I am not promoting tobacco. I'm just an addict. 
But anyway, that's what we've got to stop that, okay? Oh, goodness. Hey, Preston, you told me that you're making some, hand-making some pot calls. Do you want to tell the listeners about that a little bit and, and where they can pick some of those up? Because they're, they're different than your pitman oh, yeah. calls, aren't they? They're, 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 it's called, it's, it's basically I also have the opportunity to do a few things on the side. First, I'm going to talk company. Uh, yeah. so with Pippen, we do make what we call, or I do make what we call an elite series, uh, both a box call and pot call. Uh, they're made out of what I call common woods, uh, cherry, for example, on all the pot calls. You get slate, anodized aluminum, glass, or crystal. They're 100 bucks, okay? And that's through Pittman Game Call. But then I do some stuff, and those are all the uh uh i gut them out with the cnc machine and then a pocket knife a dremel tool and a lathe with hand tools takes over no two are exactly alike but i match a striker to a pot if i go through 10 strikers and i don't get the sound that i personally like that call is then underneath my foot and busted that's the elite series through Pittman Game Call. Uh, if you're somebody who wants a exotic, which is like leopard wood or, or blood wood, uh, canary, uh, I even have three or four pots that are out of olive from Israel. Uh, those ain't cheap. Oh. They, they start at 150 and go up. And that's all done by hand. Uh, you have to a uh Email Preston at Pittman Game Calls with your phone number and name. Preston at Pittman Game Calls dot I will call you, discuss it, and you better not get in a hurry. I'm six months out is what I am on the Elite Series. Uh, I just got through turning about 20 pots uh, before I went on this fishing trip. So within a couple of days, those are available and i believe they're on the internet too you go to pitmangamecalls.com and order those uh if you want me to give you a buzz you've now got my personal email might be three or four days before i look at it but uh i'll eventually get up with you uh i can do one of ones uh and the way they become a one of one is the laser engraving that you decide to put on the call and i have to talk one-on-one to create one of those and depending on species of wood they started a couple hundred bucks uh i have hours into those calls and i take a lot of, i take a lot of pride in everything we do look yeah. people think that this stuff uh, our production stuff like our toothpaste stuff that and it's a great call uh that when it comes off that cnc it's done it's not there's still 26 more steps that are done by our own belt sander or a vibrating palm or steel wool. I mean, it, it, it's not an injection mold. When you start talking about wood, people take time. People who build a good call, we take time with mm. We really do. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Well, pretty cool. I, I think some folks would do good to get in touch with you and get some of those calls. And six months out is not bad because I'm looking at the calendar and it's August. Yeah, it gets you a six. call in February. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I buffer it by six months, depending on what's going on in the shop. I might can have it out in, you know, two weeks. In fact, 
I'm going to challenge both of y'all. Here is what I would like to do is I would like to limit the number of calls that are only available through y'all two. Are you interested? Yes or no? Absolutely. Hmm, let me think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, after the podcast, we'll talk a little bit more in depth and uh, we'll come up with something. It probably only going to be a hundred of them. Uh, it's probably what it's going to be. And we'll come up with something different, something unique, something that uh, some kind of a combination I had never done before. Probably be a box. So we'll work well, on I that. Can, yeah, we've, okay. we've never done anything like this before. So I, I can tell you already before we get, go too deep into the call or into the talk that I know I want it to be something unique. Because for me, that's look, do I have a call that'll that I can take out into the woods and kill a turkey in the spring, you better believe it. But I love turkey calls. And I'm really, what catches my eye is the call that's unique. And, you know, I, I've even bought, and I'm not afraid to say it because I bought some recently, but I bought some calls that don't sound great. And I know you're not going to make a call and put it out that does a call that doesn't sound great. But I bought some calls that don't sound great because they were unique. But, yeah, we, yeah, you, you. If we do something unique, and I know you're going to make it sound good, I am all in. And I like that combo. We'll, we'll, we'll let people know in the future. How about that? I, I need yeah. to go play so It ain't going to be tomorrow or the next day. It's it's, it's going to take me up. Oh yeah. A few. I come up with something. How about that? That's Can not- you send me about thirty of them to to demo and play with, and <laughs> let me just pick pick the ones the combo that I like. Can you- <laughs> The bottom of my foot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about twenty-five of them? Yeah, <laughs> same thing. Toe yeah. by toe. <laughs> well, uh, I got to work on this. I, I work on it. Okay. Very, very interested in that. I think that'd be a cool thing to offer to our listeners. Maybe we get something together before next turkey season. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Let's let's put some feeble minds on it and see what we can come up with. That'd be good. <laughs> Are you back? You got me, so there you go. There ain't nothing more people to me. Well, look, there, there, there's some awesome custom call builders out there, and, and I'm really having fun playing with stuff going back, you know, to my roots. And very bluntly, I'm, I'll be 70 years old in November. I ain't going to be around forever. So it, not only is it going to be a call, if I do it, it's going to be a call that's going to kill a turkey. It's going to have a yawk sound to it. I can tell you right now. And they'll be in very limited numbers. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Preston, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna sleep tonight. Yeah, to excited. Out now. I know. Uh, I know you got some fish and shrimp. You got to get put up. So we we better let you go. Yes, sir. Well, I always enjoy with you guys. I can tell you, keep up the good work. God bless everybody out there because there is a God in heaven, and His Son's name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen to that, Preston. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate your friendship. Appreciate your time, as always, and and you sharing your knowledge like you do with us. It's It's been a pleasure, buddy. Anytime. All right. Have a great night. See you. Bye. Bye. Always you, a great guy to have on the if show. If you talk to Preston Pittman for an hour and don't get a laugh in, I don't know what kind of person you are. You know I what I mean? I have to agree. And uh, I, I think that's a great personality trait to have for somebody, to, to make people joyful and laugh. Anytime you talk to him, well, that's Preston. Yeah. So always grateful to have him on and 
just a legend in the wild turkey world. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Gave some pretty good tips in there, too. If you listen in, you know, talking about turkeys on the roost and playing coy and all that, that, that pretty powerful stuff that might be worth listening to. He's he's called it a few. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's, and he's qualified. We've qualified the witness. I need to see if I can get a copy of the video yes. of the buzzard sent to me, and that. I'll send it to you. It It is just the oddest thing. When he says that they had to push the buzzard off of him with the end of the shotgun, I don't doubt him in the least. The buzzard was, in the clip that I saw, the buzzard was probably three feet from Preston, just hopping on the ground right beside him. (laughs) (laughs) We should have asked him in the interview if he had had a shower in the past month or so. It's it's crazy. That's wild. I've never heard of anybody having a buzzard encounter like that. Yeah. You know, it kind of makes me wonder if maybe it was a buzzard that had been rehabbed or something, you know, yeah. at a at a rescue center or something like <laughs> he that. Thought that. He thought his master had finally returned. Yeah. Down there or, looking for a handout. Or maybe it was a male buzzard that, uh, you know, got lucky with a hen turkey one time and heard those calls and he was headed in. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? We can only speculate. Only the buzzard knows. Could be a buzzard that just knew that there were two killers sitting against two trees down there and just waiting his turn. <laughs> I don't know. Again, <laughs> only the buzzard knows. Yeah. So that, only that he knows. crazy stuff. I'll, I'll see if I can get a copy of it and send it to you. And if I can get a copy, I may just post it on the gram or something so yeah. you guys can see it. I'll, I'll text a couple I, of buddies and see if I can get a copy of it. I think I'd do that. That's pretty special uh, video right there. Uh, that's about as unique as you're going to get. Yeah, no doubt. Well, cool. Well, I do want to remind folks in not this Saturday or next Saturday, but the following Saturday, which is August the 19th, we'll be having our first Turkeys for Tomorrow event in West Tennessee. So if you're a Tennessean and want to or not, if you're anybody who wants to come join us, it's going to be at the Hub City Brewery in Jackson, Tennessee, and it's just a social event. We're going to have a cornhole tournament. We're going to have barbecue that we're going to be making a bunch of Boston butts, and we're going to be giving away a shotgun, a custom pistol, all kind of stuff, and it's just going to be a fun time for turkey hunters to get together in August. So just a reminder to everybody, if you want to join us, that is the date. Make sure to come. If you know you're coming, let me know. We're trying to get somewhat of a head count, although we currently have no idea. But we'd love to see some folks there come by and say, hey. Yes, indeed. Do that. It'll be a good time. Yeah. Has the Alabama, that's happened, right? The landowner Uh, day or whatever it was you've been talking about? Yeah, the field day. So there is one in Steele, Alabama, which is in kind of northeast Alabama. It's not too far north. But that one is August the 19th from 8.30 to 12 p.m. And unfortunately, I'm going to be not at that. Mm. I will be unable to go. So I'm not real tickled about that. But Chamberlain's going to be there at that one. Marcus Lashley will be there at that one. And then the one in South Alabama. Let me see if I can find the date for that one. I can't find the date for that one. So 
I would say just go online to Google and type in, I believe it's in Baldwin County is where they're holding it, if I remember correctly. Cool. So you type in Baldwin County, Alabama, chapter NWTF field day, and it should pull up. So, yeah. and I believe that one's very soon. If it's if it's not this Saturday, it's next. So, I mean, it it's very close. Cool. Well, so. somebody look it up, figure it out, and go. Yes. Great educational opportunities there. And then you've got the opportunity to go and support TFT in Tennessee as well. And I would encourage those of you in northwest Alabama, northeast Mississippi, southern, I guess I should say, southwest Kentucky. Yeah. Southern Kentucky's a long area. <laughs> yes, it is. And those in southeast Arkansas to go check out that event that yeah, Cameron come on. talked about. So. Please come join us. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a really fun time. I think Mr. Jordan Barnes with Close Proximity, he has been on here as our archery guest. I think he might drive up for it. Ron Jolly will be there. Preston Pittman may be there. Yep. Ron mentioned he might be coming. And Pete Dogerty and several others. So we're, we're going to have a good time. There's going to be plenty of turkey folk there and just going to be a social event nothing fancy not a big banquet or anything like that it's just a time to hang out at the brewery there you go so come join us but cool i guess we'll just make that the favor of the week yeah come join us that or go to the alabama event or all the above yeah and and i'll throw in a bonus favor of the week if you have a show topic idea you'd like for us to cover contact us and let us know what you'd like to hear it's you can Email me at Cameron.Weddington at gmail.com. Contact me on Facebook at Cameron Weddington or Instagram Cameron Weddington. And just shoot over an idea for a topic. And if you have a specific guest you'd like to cover that topic, send that as well. But we're always open-eared to hearing what y'all want us to talk about. Yes, indeed. That's a good bonus favor of the week. Sweet. Well, you want to wrap us up and we'll see these folks in two weeks? Yeah, man. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to seeing you again in two weeks. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.